We looked this morning at Exodus chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. It says, Then Moses answered, now this is God that he's talking to, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? Moses said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they might believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And again the Lord said to him, put your hand inside of your cloak. And he put his hand inside of his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside of your cloak. So he put his hand back inside of his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they did not believe, if they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take for the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But Moses said, O my Lord, please send someone else. Then, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron your brother the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and he will be with your mouth, and with your mouth will teach you what to do. And and he shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be to him as God to him. And take your hand, take in your hand this staff, which you shall do the sign. All right, let's take a look at Exodus chapter 4 this morning. You ever uh, miss out on something because it's too good to be true? Has that ever happened to you in life? Uh, I was trying to think of time that that happened to us, and the time that I remember in particular, and I don't know whether Susan remembers this or not, but we got a check in the mail. And uh, it was a long time ago, so we needed that check. And uh, any check that came in the mail was a big check. I mean, if it was $17, it was a big amount of money. And this check was for much more than that $17. But I remember getting that check in the mail. I remember opening it and thinking, oh, this is not right. Somebody has messed up someplace. Uh, something is not uh, kosher. This is not the way it should be. And what we did is we mailed that check back because we wanted to make sure that we had not mess that up because basically we thought someone sending us a check in this amount that is too good to be true now 
upon reflection, it actually should have been our money, I think. Uh, I think as we thought about it more, but I missed out on it because I was so concerned that this good news, this good experience was too good to be true. Does that ever happen to you? Something that you may have missed out on because you said, oh, that can't be right. That can't be true. That, that can't really be happening. Hey, it's not possible for that to be unfolding uh, for me. As I look at this passage of Scripture that we're looking at here, and really Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4, there is a sentence in here that just absolutely catches me. It's back in chapter 3. It's Exodus chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And it says, this is the word of God. He says, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And hear this in verse 17. And I promise that I will bring you up out of your affliction. Man, what a word. I almost felt like this morning all I needed to do is just read that verse. I have seen how you have been oppressed. I have seen the things that you have suffered through. I have seen the things that you are struggling with. And the voice of God says, and I promise that I will bring you out of that affliction. Man, can anybody use a promise like that today? Anybody immediately have things in mind that they can be able to point to and say, this is where I'm struggling, this is my affliction, this is the stuff that, that is hard that I'm walking through right now? And for the voice of God to speak into your life and say, I have seen all of it, and I promise to bring you up out of your affliction. How great a word is that? But I will tell you that the first person who heard that word thought it was too good to be true. He heard that word, and he listened to it, and he heard it. He had a conversation with God, and he said, I don't believe that that is possible. And so this morning, as I speak to you, and I repeat those words over you, God has seen where you have been oppressed, God has seen where you have been afflicted, God has seen where you are struggling, and he says to you, I promise I will bring you up out of that affliction. I want you to be encouraged by that word. But I also know that it is possible for you and I to hear those very words and say, that just sounds too good to be true. That, that's too much for me to believe. I don't know whether that's really something that's going to happen in my life. I don't necessarily know that God is going to pay that much attention to me and to my needs. Well, I want you to know, God is too good for that to be false. God is too good for that to be false. So let's walk with Moses for a few minutes this morning. And let's see how we process when something sounds too good to be true, and yet God is too good to be false. Let's think that through. To begin with, I want you to realize that everyone is going to have moments of doubt. Everyone is going to have moments of doubt. Hey, in fact, I would tell you that there's some degree, now this is kind of a strange thing to hear, but there's some degree that doubt is healthy. Doubt is healthy because what it means is you've actually paid attention to what somebody is saying. 
I think there's a lot of people that may not claim doubt because they haven't really heard what we're saying. They have not heard what the Word of God is saying. Here's what the Word of God says. There is a God. You may never have seen Him, but there is a God. And that is something for us to believe. There is a God who created this universe by speaking it into existence. There is a God who not only is responsible for everything that you see, feel, smell, and touch in this universe, but that same God cares about you and your life. That's a really big thing to believe. That same God, when we rebelled in sin, has been working a plan to orchestrate a plan to rescue us from our own sin and rebellion and brokenness. That's a lot to believe. And in fact, that same God's plan involved God becoming flesh, dwelling among us so that he could do miracles in front of us, but more than that, so that he could live a holy, perfect, sinless life that he could sacrifice on our behalf. And that same God was buried in a tomb, and they rolled the stone in front of it. And three days later, he rose again, and now sits at the right hand of God. And not only sits at the right hand of God, but if you are a believer in Christ, that very same resurrected Jesus lives inside of you. (laughs) That's a lot to believe. In fact, I think the fact that somebody may have some doubt over that actually means they stopped and listened to what we said. All of those things are really big deal moments. Now, every person has a different personality. Every person deals with this a little bit differently. But I would say that everyone deals with doubt at some points in their life. They they may come in different shapes and sizes. They may come through different personalities. They may have different intensities. And they may have different seasons. But it is natural to stand back and hear some of the wonders of God and say, Oh, In fact, the wonders of God are so great that we're not really listening if we don't stand back and say, whoa, that's big, that's large, that's beyond what I expected, that's beyond what my mind can handle and process. In fact, I would tell you that a working definition of faith is faith is believing beyond my doubts. It is not the elimination of doubts. It is not saying that I never have a doubt, I never have a question, I I never uh, have moments where I struggle with this concept or this idea or even uh, a sense of, of connection with the things of God. It is believing beyond my doubts. This is probably best expressed when Jesus comes to a man and he wants to uh, heal his son and, and the, Jesus says you, you have to believe in order for this to happen. And the dad says, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because every single one of us that has ever drawn breath is a mixture between belief and unbelief. There's, there's belief inside of you. And there's unbelief inside of you. And I just want you to know that every single person deals with doubts of some kind. So let's think about Moses. God says, this is what I'm going to do for Israel. Moses says, that's fantastic. And I'm going to use you to do it. Not as fantastic. 
I can do these things. I believe it. I'm going to use you to do it. I'm not so sure. Moses is processing his past. He knows that he's been rejected by the Egyptians and by the Israelites. He knows that there are still some telephone poles in Egypt that have got his poster on it where it says, Wanted Moses for murder. He knows that he never found that connection in that place. And so he looks at his past and he says, I can't do that. Moses looks at his present circumstances. A shepherd has been wandering the wilderness for 40 years taking care of somebody else's flocks. He has no status. He, he has nothing that he can say, boy, I've been in the game, I'm ready to go. No, he's just been taking care of sheep. The sheep don't even listen to him sometimes. He listens to the sheep sometimes. And that's the conversations that he's been having. He has a complete lack of confidence. When God begins to tell him what he's going to do, he, he looks at God and says, I can't do that. I'm incapable of doing that. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the abilities to do that. He's got to go back to Egypt, meet with the elders of Israel, and explain to them why God spoke to Moses instead of them. It's a hard task. And so Moses doubts. In fact, if you take a look at chapter 3 and chapter 4, Moses' doubts can be, fall into three different categories. The first thing, he says, what if I go back to the Israelites and they say, who says? His first doubt is, what if they don't believe you? His second doubt is, what if when I go to them, they will say to me, surely God has not spoken to you? His second doubt is, they don't believe me. And then his third doubt is when he turns to God and says, find someone else. His third doubt is, I don't believe you. Moses is struggling. He's struggling with some doubts despite all of these things that God has done. I will tell you that there is a degree in which our doubts can be productive. That's a strange sentence. But I will tell you that part of what Moses is dealing with, part of what you and I deal with, is that we have an oversized God that we try to fit in an undersized box. And so there's this giant box that's labeled God, and it is all the grandeur of God, the greatness of God, the character of God, the will of God, the plans of God, the power of God, all of those things. And then there's my box, which is my brain. My logic, my knowledge, my experience, my faith. And the task that we are given is to take this box and try to fit it in here. And our response is, I doubt it. There's no way that is fitting in here. Now, I will tell you that the way in which that becomes productive is if you are given that task of taking this oversized box and putting it into an undersized box, probably what you're going to do is you're going to walk around that box 
and you're going to put your hands on that box, and you're going to feel the texture of that box, and you're going to look at that box from every single angle that you can. What you're doing is you're chewing on, you're processing, you're understanding you're growing. You are seeing the largeness of God. So even in the process, like, there's no way this is happening. There's no way this is going to work. I don't see how this is going to While you're doing that, you are giving weight to, to the grandeur, to the bigness of God and His will and to His power. And when that becomes really productive is when we spend so much time looking at that greatness of God and the size of that box, and the littleness of my box. There just comes a moment say, you know what? Let's skip my box, <laughs> and let's just pay attention to God. It becomes productive when I move my attention from here to here, and I just continue to try to seek the width, the depth, the greatness of God. And I put my hands on it so that I know it and I feel it and I understand it a little bit more. Not all, not even a lot or even a little, but a little more than I understood before. Everyone at some point deals with some doubt. I would also tell you that God cultivates the growth of our faith. God cultivates the growth of our faith. All of the words in chapter 3 are so fantastic. This is what I'm going to do. It's going to be amazing. God, I'm going to do this. God says, I'm, I'm going uh, to send you back. The people are going to hear you. You're going to go into Pharaoh. You're going to speak to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's going to be difficult, but I will use my strong hand against him. And not only will you be freed, but you will walk out with the riches of Egypt. It's pretty good. That's pretty great. All of that is great. Chapter 4, verse 1 is not as great. The Lord, the Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Now, I want you to know that that is a direct contradiction to what God has just said in chapter 3 and verse 18. In chapter 3, verse 18, God says, and they will listen to your voice. Chapter 4, verse 1, they will not listen to my voice. Wait, God has just said, they will listen to your voice. Moses says, they will not listen to my voice. God says, this is what I've said. The, the, those, that sentence that they will listen to your voice is still echoing in the mountains of Sinai. While Moses is saying, they will not listen to my voice. But I want you to notice, I want you to notice grace, I want you to notice kindness, I want you to notice understanding. God has no anger toward Moses in this moment. He has spoken, he has arrived, he has made promises, he has said this is the way it's going to be, and Moses has looked at him and said, I don't think so. But I want you to see the graciousness of God. God's immediate response to Moses in this moment is let me grow your faith. Let me grow your faith. Let me give you some signs. 
Let me give you some experience inside of your life so that you can know, because I did this, I can do this. And he gives him three signs. He says, take the, the, what's in your hand? He says, it's a staff, it's a stick. Throw it on the ground. Moses throws it on the ground. <laughs> it becomes a serpent. And this is my favorite part about Moses' life. He runs away. Me and Moses, we're on the same page, man. We, where the snake is, I am not. Moses runs away. I don't know how far he got. You know, that sand is hard to run in, but I bet you he made progress. And then the voice of God tells him, pick up the snake by the tail. Now, here's what I want you to know. Before Moses can lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, before Moses can even go back to Egypt to do this massive task, God says, I need you to do this. Pick up that snake. And Moses does the task, and it becomes the staff. It's just a step. The second thing he says, listen, put your hand in your cloak. Now this one's really kind of puzzling to me. I don't know what Moses expected. Put your hand in your cloak. I've been to enough magic shows, I'm expecting a $50 bill. You know, you put your hand in your cloak, boom, there's money, there's something, there's roses, there's something, there's something great. Sticks his hand in his cloak. His hand has turned leprous. What is going on there? God, what kind of a trick is this? Oh, what kind of damage? I'm trying to do what you say, and, and, I, and I'm suddenly, I'm dealing with all this, plus I've got leprosy? What, what, what kind of a deal is this? But part of Moses' growth was, you've got to trust God to be able to turn it all into good. Even if in this moment, it doesn't look good at all. Moses, put your hand back in your cloak. He pulls it back out and it's made whole just as it was a moment before. But Moses is going to have to learn, trust me, it may look tough right now. It may look scary. It may look like the last thing that you want right now. But I promise you, it's going to end well and I'm going to take care of you. The last one is another step of faith. Because Moses gets to test drive the first two. Take your staff, throw it on the ground, turns into a snake, pick it up, snake by the tail, it's a staff again. All right, did that, puts it in his journal, I know how to do this. Do the cloak, in, uh, in, oh, okay, it's going to be all right. The third one, when you get back to Egypt, if things haven't gone well, Take some water from the Nile, pour it on the ground, it's going to turn to blood. Moses is like, can we test that first? Can I try that? No. You, you just got to know that when we get to that point, I'm going to take care of you. When we get to that point, I'm going to take care of you. You see, what God is doing is he is cultivating the growth of Moses' faith. He doesn't say you have to understand all of it. You don't have to do all of it at once. But here's what I want you to do next. Here's what I want you to trust me with next. And now these become promises. These become signs. These become experiences. These become memories. 
And these become the foundation for Moses to move beyond this moment. In fact, it's interesting. God tells Moses, take the staff with you. And as you look through the chapter, it begins with a staff. Then it becomes your staff. And before the chapter is over, Moses says, I went back to Egypt and I took with me the staff of God. Because I'm going to remember the things that God has done. I may go into some spaces and some places that I can't imagine what's going to happen. But I will hold on to the staff of God. Because I will remember the things that He has done for me. And the things that He is capable of doing. Now I do also have to just speak the whole truth to you this morning. I want you to see the graciousness of God. I want you to see the kindness of God, the patience of God as he's growing Moses' faith. He understands this box is really big for him to process right now. But you also need to know that there does come a time when doubt becomes disobedience. There is a point that doubt becomes disobedience. Remember we said at the beginning of chapter 4 and verse 1, Moses says, I don't believe this is not going to happen, even though it was a direct contradiction to what God just got done saying. God gives him these signs to build up Moses' faith. But when the signs are done, Moses comes up with more excuses and more reasons why he can't do it. He says, I'm not really good at speaking. I like what Moses says here. He says, I've never been good at speaking, and I haven't gotten any better at it since you've been talking to me in the last 10 minutes. Like, really, Moses? That was, that was the time clock that you put on God is 10 minutes? Like, my world hasn't changed in 10 minutes. He says, I wasn't good before, and I haven't become any better now. He says, I'm not good at this. Well, God says, who, who made your tongue? Who gave you the gift of speech? Who gives you any of the gifts that you have? Moses, if we have to determine between who knows your gifts better, me or you, God says, I created those gifts. I formed you physically, experientially. Your journey has got my fingerprints all over your life. And yet Moses says, I cannot do it. Find someone else. And in chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, the anger of the Lord was kindled. You see, I don't want us to miss the beginning of the chapter or the end of the chapter. At the beginning of the chapter, God is incredibly gracious and patient with Moses' doubts. But at some point along the day, enough is enough. Moses, you have what you need. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to believe me. You're going to have to act on what I say. God becomes angry at, at this point. See, I think that there are some windows of opportunity inside of our lives. And some of those windows close. They're not open forever. Sometimes God is stirring and moving and inviting us in our lives and, and and that closes because those circumstances change. There's some things going on in your life. There's a moment. There's a, there, there, it's just a season. And God says, I want to use this in your life. 
And if we reject what God wants to do, that season may close and we may never experience what it was that he wanted to do in that season. Because circumstances close. I think sometimes the window closes because our heart doesn't say, does not stay sensitive. And what I mean by that is that there are times that God speaks into your life. And you know that it's the Holy Spirit stirring. You're like, boy, this is uncomfortable. Boy, it's almost like I can hear an audible voice. It's, it is though I know that this is what God wants me to do. And you know that because your heart is sensitive. It is soft. It is open. It is hearing God. But I will tell you, if you tune that out, your heart won't remain that sensitive. And sometimes we say, I know that's what God wants me to do, but I'm going to do it later. Well, your heart may not be as sensitive later. And in fact, your head may out-talk your heart and say, you know what? That was just emotionalism. That's because what someone else was doing. That's because it was just the way church was that Sunday. That's not really what you're supposed to do. And that sensitive heart that is heard from God that window closes because it doesn't stay sensitive. In fact, one of the things that hardens our heart is when God speaks and we don't do anything about it. There's no way for our heart to remain sensitive to the voice of God while we're rejecting obedience to that voice of God. And then I think that sometimes those windows close because God is the most patient but he's not patient forever. And that window of patience is about to close on Moses. And this window is about to close because God says, I have been patient. I have been gracious. But if you're not ready to obey, I'm going to move on. God has already said, I'll take care of Pharaoh. Moses, you're not standing in the way. If I'm going to take care of Pharaoh and the Egyptian empire and all of that strength, and I will use my right hand against it, my mighty hand against Pharaoh, Moses, you're not going to stand in the way of what, I, what I've got here. And that is going to close that window. I don't mean to speak heaviness outside of the heaviness comes from the Word of God. But I think that sometimes we become spiritual procrastinators and we miss out on the movement of God in our lives. He doesn't just say do. He says do it now. Do it now. Satan would love for us just to keep saying later. Later. I'll get to it later. I don't say God no to God. I just say later. It's the same thing. There is a point where that doubt becomes disobedience. Now, I want you to know that God is even working to address the areas of concern that Moses has. Moses says, I'm not really good at speaking. God's not asking you to to sing an opera. He's just saying, say what I said. But he knows that Moses has this insecurity. And he's able to tell Moses... Your brother Aaron, 
who, who came in second place in the eighth grade speech contest. You're, 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 that's not true. But your brother Aaron, who is a good speaker, is on his way to find you right now. I'm taking care of it. Even the doubts that you haven't figured out yet, I'm taking care of it. Now listen to this. Moses has been gone for 40 years. 40 times 365 days. It's almost 15,000 days since Aaron has seen Moses. And yet today is the day that Aaron says, you know what? I wonder how Moses is doing. I'm going to pack a bag and I'm going to head into the Sinai and I'm going to go look for Moses. 15,000 days. But the day that God is speaking to Moses is the day that Aaron has already packed his suitcase to go and be an encouragement to Moses. God is taking care of the things that you haven't even begun to worry about. He's got it covered. He's got it covered. So what does this mean to us this morning? Well, one of the things... It's okay to doubt, but make your doubt productive doubt. You see, the other way in which we can process this tension between the giant box and the little box is instead of getting rid of the little box, we can brush aside the big box. No more tension. But that's not what we want to do. And so one of the things that I would call on you to do is be ready to be obedient to the next thing that God speaks into your life. The next thing that he calls on you to do. Be ready to say yes. Secondly, I would tell you that maybe you haven't heard God tell you to do something lately. Well, some of the reason for that is because faith comes by hearing and it's the word of God that tells us what to do and if you haven't been in the word of God that that may be why you haven't heard from him and you haven't been convicted or pulled or directed in your life and so my challenge to you secondly is be ready to be obedient but also spend some time where the directions are so that you know what to be obedient of be in the word and then finally I would tell you say yes don't be a spiritual procrastinator don't let that window close and in fact this morning if that spirit of God has spoken to you man would you make sure that you take a first step on whatever it is that he's called on you to do don't let the busyness outside of these walls distract you. I mean, that Saints game may be really, really good. It could throw you off the whole thing. Do it now. And I would tell you, dear friends, if he's calling on you to give your life to him, to forgive you, to redeem you, to rescue you, man, don't miss that window where he speaks to you.